Welcome back to episode six of Comfort Breeds Complacency. Today we are joined with an Olympian, Kelsey Sirwa. So thank you for joining me. Hey, thanks, Nick. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's uh, cool to see, especially because I've lived in Kelowna for uh, a number of years now, and to see somebody who's a local, a hometown kind of legend and taking the time to sit down with me and kind of hear the mindset, it's uh, super cool and inspiring. So I really appreciate you taking the time to do that. Yeah, no worries. I uh, really look forward to your questions and for the opportunity to relive some of the experiences I had as an uh, elite athlete. Right on. Um, I was wondering if you could kind of just give people a quick rundown and kind of early life in Kelowna to kind of where you are now. Mm-hmm. So I... Grew up in Kelowna, West Kelowna to start, uh, and my family's always been very involved with Big White. Uh, my grandfather, Cliff, co-founded the mountain. Uh, this year is 60-year anniversary, is that correct? I should double-check my season's pass. <laughs> um, and my parents have played a big role in doing the development of a lot of the infrastructure up here. Uh, and with that, we spend weekends up here uh, all throughout growing up. I'm still coming up here now as an adult and enjoying the snow. Um, so I guess I, I got into ski racing when I was about six years old. Our family had dug the basement for one of the for the ski club up here, and um, in exchange for the service that my parents did. Uh, they offered free Nancy Green, so free ski lessons to myself and my older brother and sister. Um, so my parents later joked that because uh, that is what started me in skiing and then, um, you know, continued all the way through to an Olympic level. And they said that was the most expensive basement that they ever dug. <laughs> yeah, lots of stuff coming from that for sure. <laughs> totally. Yeah. So, I mean, I grew up uh, on the Alpine circuit and worked my way up through first race seat representing the big white racers here and then um, into like a zone team and as I entered into high school I was on the BC provincial team for alpine skiing um, my final years in high school I made it to the national development team and then uh, shortly after graduation uh, I switched to ski cross um, and that was right before the 2010 Vancouver Olympics sweet yeah, kind of, um, where, where did you kind of, when you were training for this, realize that maybe, like, your level was at the that level, right? Like, at what age were you kind of like, whoa, I, I could probably, like, really do this? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I never was the most talented in any sport growing up, and so I don't think I thought it was possible for me to compete at an Olympic level. Uh, I was fortunate because I grew up racing alongside a really strong group of, of women. Uh, I believe out of the six of us that were on the provincial team, four of us made it onto a national level. So to be pushed by other strong competitors around you in the same year, um, we, we climbed the ladder together. And uh, also my timing was fortunate because with the Vancouver 2010 bid, um, a whole bunch of funding came in to amateur and, and junior level sport. So we caught the wave of that, which really helped propel uh, and create opportunities that wouldn't have otherwise been possible. 
Um, so maybe I didn't realize that I could actually represent Canada at Olympic Games until I actually switched into ski cross. And uh, you know, you kind of always said like, yeah, it would be cool to go to the Olympics. Um, but the first time I actually believed it was possible was, was when I was 19, um, so in 2009. Okay, so you went to three Olympics, is that correct? Yeah, three Olympic Games. First one in the home backyard of Vancouver, which was incredible. Uh, and then 2014 was in Sochi, Russia. And then my final one was in 2018 in South Korea. And that's the one that you got the gold in, right? In, in 2018, yeah. And then uh, Russia was a silver medal. That's awesome. Well, and uh, what, what your place was fifth in Vancouver, is that correct? Yeah, fifth in Vancouver, which was kind of bittersweet. So ski cross, it's four people per round. And of course, the goal is to make it into the large finals or the big finals. Um, but I found myself in the small finals, which is kind of like the consolation round. And it settles uh, placings from fifth into eighth position. So I came away from that day winning those small finals. Uh, which felt good, but at the same time, I really wanted to be in the big finals and get a shot at uh, the podium. Um, but I also got to watch my teammate, Ashley McIver, create history as the first uh, person to win an Olympic gold medal in our sport of ski cross for women. Um, and so seeing her, my teammate, my friend, uh, achieve that success, I think that's what lit my fire to to be like, all right, you know, if she can do it, so can I. Yeah, that's always super, I think, valuable to have these, like, training partners and people that push you to grow to be better, especially at such a high level, and you're always feeding off each other. That's super cool and motivating, I'm sure. So as as each one went, you got a, a better placing, right? So fifth, then second, then first. Is that kind of what fueled each one of the following going for that top place? <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Um, it would have been a lot easier to walk away from the sport had I had, you know, the Olympic gold medal right off the bat. Um, but it, it really did keep me in it. And coming second in Sochi in Russia, um, I was second to my other teammate, Marielle Thompson, which was a really cool experience. Um, but that too, I was like, all right, I, I'm committed for another four years because I think we can do better. And how, um, so once you do commit to, like, after one Olympics ends, I'm sure you take a little bit of time to, like, refresh and everything, then you get back into the training schedule and that. What what was kind of, like, a typical training for that, and when would you do your uh, races to lead up to that, or, like, a typical type of training day as an athlete and and all that? Um, so... It's so easy in our sport to focus on just the Olympic Games, uh, which happen every four years. But of course, we have a regular World Cup schedule um, with about 15 World Cup races every winter starting early December and running through March. Um, so that's where the majority of our races take place. Um, we have World Championships, which happens every other year. So it kind of sandwiches um, Olympic years. Uh, so that would be our other big event. And then um, while I was still racing, we were part of the X Games, which would happen every year for us. Um, and that was also like 
uh, a high priority event that you wanted to one get invited to um, and then to perform like show up compete do really well um, and that was you know always a highlight of, of every season there so training we'd usually start in May in the gym and our days are like morning we're doing four or five hour workouts um, come home for lunch refuel rest up a little bit and then in the afternoon it was some sort of cardio base uh, so on the mountain bike or whatever you're into if you're into running paddleboarding um, the nice thing about our program is that our team recognized that uh, we all have individual needs and therefore programs were made according to uh, a lot of us though just living in the mountains growing up in BC uh, we're into a lot of the same things so uh, mountain biking is the main our main form of aerobic cross training uh, and you know it has a lot of similarities you're looking ahead you're navigating through terrain trying to look where you can make speed on on turns or whichever um, yeah a little bit of, of uh, risk gratification as you're going down too and um, obviously a good workout as well so our dryland training that season would go as I mentioned from May all the way through November and then come winter when we're racing um, we'd hit the gym probably every third day uh, as a maintenance program um, but also like pre-race activation stuff um, to, to stay quick, to stay sharp and strong. Nice. And I know um, now or you are in school or you might be done now, I'm not sure, but for physiotherapy, um, when you were being an athlete trained for the Olympics, is that basically all you were focused on or did you have maybe some other side businesses or was it just straight focus on training and competing and succeeding in that mm -hmm. well I was an athlete um, priority number one was always training and competing um, and then whenever I was home or whenever opportunity presented um, we'd make sure to uh, give back to our community so I was an ambassador for like fast and female and current ambassador for um, protect our winters Canada um, so getting involved in things that are meaningful to me personally as well. Uh, doing uh, fun ski days up at, at Big White here um, with the kids and the ski club, things like that. Um, whenever I was injured, which happened a few times throughout my career, I would uh, use that opportunity to um, obviously work on my rehab, but to go back to school. So I was able to accomplished the majority of my undergraduate degree while I was still racing and then once I retired I had a year left of it to finish up and then applied for um, the Masters of Physical Therapy program through UBC and that's where I am now. That's awesome. Yeah I know like especially even for me I've dealt with injuries in myself and uh, there's such like uh, momentum killers and they're so hard to come back from uh, what what specific injuries did you have you, that kind of put things on hold for a while? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they know what they are really hard to come back from, but I always saw it as an opportunity to reevaluate where I was in sport, where I was in my career, um, how important it is for me to get back. You know, what are my goals? What do I still want to accomplish? And it 
having gone through the injury, it was always still worth it to me to come back uh, and, and compete again and represent Canada. So my first injury was in 2012. I ruptured my ACL in my left knee. And uh, at that time, I was leading the uh, overall World Cup standings. Um, it was still pretty early in the season, but I had won the first two races of the year and was just carrying a lot of momentum, a lot of confidence. And then just like that, things kind of turned upside down and, and I was down and out in a blink of an eye. Um, so I did a, a good recovery from that. Um, the next year, 20, uh, 2013, we were in Norway for World Championships and it was a training run before the race and I was kind of scared and tentative uh, going down the course. The, the weather was challenging, couldn't see much. The snow was um, difficult, like full of holes. Lots of things were developing, the speeds were inconsistent. And I came off of a jump and just landed kind of strange. And I heard my knee pop. It was the same knee. Uh, so tore the ACL again. Um, skied down and out this time because I didn't actually crash. It was just the way I landed. Um, so I had to go through the recovery process again. And that was all the year before the 2014 Olympics. Um, so now I was kind of rushed and pressured to get everything strong and, and able-bodied again because um, the Olympics were in 10 months or so. Wow, yeah, that, that must be tough, especially when they're back-to-back -back like that. I know, like, talking with last week I had on, I don't know if you know, uh, he's a big mountain free skier, Johnny Collinson, and he uh, was talking about his knee injuries and how it's kind of like a loss of identity when that's what you, like, in your mind – you're an athlete and that's what you do and then for a year nine months or however long it takes to rehab you just can't do what you love and what you put value to yourself is so it it's hard to like lose you kind of feel like you lost your identity during that time did you kind of feel that when you went through yours yeah I, I understand that too um because exactly that it's not that I I do skiing it's that I am a skier you know it is that connection to identity um, it also provided me with a cool opportunity to explore other things that are important to me knowing that you know I won't be a professional skier forever so this is my chance to go out and explore it's like what are some other things that I'm into you know what will life look like after competition um, so it was almost a blessing in disguise for me to go through those injuries. Uh, I had another one that <laughs> put me out right before the 2018 games as well. Um, and I mentioned this previously too, it's a chance to reevaluate. It's like, what am I doing? Where am I at? Do I love it? Yes. Okay. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. As especially, it seems like going in right before those big events, that must be, super tough especially if you were healthy for like the years coming up to it and then right before that happens you like get blown away like that so um how is it being at the actual olympics like the village being there with the other athletes and how what was maybe your favorite one that you were at out of those three or mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um 
first of all, it's really cool going to the Olympics and putting on that maple leaf and knowing that you're part of one of the best teams in the world. Uh, to get to be a fan of the rest of Team Canada, to get to cheer on, um, you know, so many other incredible athletes, to see athletes in person that you only see on TV uh, is is kind of surreal too. Like definitely walking by and uh, as a total fangirl and be like, oh my god, that's so and so. Um, I think each Olympics was a different experience for me because I was at a different place not only as an athlete, but um, as a person as well. Um, different values, different focus. Uh, my last Olympic Games, it was, you know, like having my best friend there, my teammate Britt, it was a total game changer. Um, you know, it was a full, full team approach. Uh, despite being in an individual sport and it was just a really cool place to be because there was almost this acceptance of you know the results aren't the focus we're going to focus on like what do we need um from ourselves from each other from those around us how can we support each other um you know being invested in someone else's success as much as your own it was a really cool place um, to experience an olympic games from and then to to have the results, um, you know, Britt finishing in second, and I just, she let me win, she tells me, uh, knowing that it was my last games, <laughs> letting me sneak in the lead there, uh, was just like the total cherry on top to, to ending a career uh, in, in sport that has had so many ups and downs. Um, but yeah, to, to have that challenge and to rise up to it and with neither of us being a favorite by any means, we were kind of like the queens of the small final. So we were finishing up, you know, always in top 10, but never consistently on the podium by any means. Um, so that was a really cool experience. And I think just for that, because of our relationship there, I would say those games were my favorite and just being at peace with like, we're not focusing on the results, we're focusing on the process and what we need to do in order to execute and, and to show up and be our best on that day. Yeah, for sure. I know like a lot, the same with me, a lot of the things I do, it's a, a goal motivated, but you have to be process oriented or else like things, you get burnt out on what you're doing or, and especially it seems like that when you went in with those feelings of not worried as much on the actual result a lot of the time you do better than you would have when you do just try and focus solely on that goal so that's super cool to hear i uh i i know how you're talking about like seeing people and like fan fangirling um or fanboying i guess but <laughs> i remember when first time i uh, met you you came to Ocon college and you did like an entrepreneurial panel and I was in the business school there so it was super cool to see I remember you were the the uh like the most sparked my interest out of all the speakers because it was I'd always wanted to be a like an athlete and uh just seeing like an, an Olympian was super cool to me and super inspiring yeah um I was wondering when you are competing and like you said that one it it had a different feel um as an individual sport maybe pre-race or like leading up to that how did you kind of manage like your fear versus um like anxiousness or nerves trying to like reframe it or say like you're excited instead of nervous or how did you kind of get prepared physically and mentally for 
that actual one day it's time to go? Yeah. One is accepting all the work that you have put in up until that point and trusting that process, trusting that foundation, um, knowing that you have the skills to make it, well, you, you've done good enough to get to the Olympics, right? So you know you're competitive. Um, a lot of positive self-talk. We work alongside a sports psychologist a lot. I was actually fortunate because the same sports psychologist is one that I had worked with when I was 15 as a junior racer. Uh, so we had that solid relationship and understanding and um, one totally built on trust and respect. And uh, she introduced me to, um, it's called a Mac approach back in 2014, but I'd used it, I mean, throughout the rest of my career. So it stands for being like mindful of your physical state, your mental state uh, in that moment, accepting those feelings and, and validating them. So whether you are nervous, whether there's some anxiety, uncertainty, being like, yeah, these are normal emotions and I have them. And it's, and then it, it's um, the, the, so yeah, mi mindful, accepting, so accepting them and then committing to act in um, value-based ways. So like despite being nervous or anxious, um, you know, one of the values that was important to me was uh, perseverance and commitment. So despite feeling that way, that doesn't have to, um, you know, rule the way I show up on course. So that took a lot of pressure off, I think, too. Uh, at the top of the course, too, is you've done all your prep physically, you're, you know, running through the course over and over in your mind, um, visualizing it with like sensation added onto it, you know, moving with the terrain. What is it going to feel like? You play out different scenarios in your head with ski cross because it's not just yourself going down a, a track full of rollers, jumps, bank turns by yourself. There's three other unpredictable people around you. So how are you going to navigate them, whether you're first, second or third or fourth? Um, so making, making plans, the classic is like hope for the best, plan for the worst. <laughs> That's always good. Um, yeah, I think too, creating opportunities, giving yourself as many chances to try something as possible, like leading up to those uh, high performance days. Uh, so you, you've been there already in one way or another. Um, yeah, what else? And then by the time you're in the gate, it's just like, okay, clear out the mind. Just focus on your present, like where, be mindful of where your feet are at. And uh, even just focusing on my breath, that was a big part to standing in the start gate. <laughs> it must be just kind of like instinctual once, once, the, once you start, you've done it so many times. And yeah, for for me, I got into ultra stuff now, so a lot of it is it's just as much mental as it is physical. So I know like a lot of those mental skills and things have uh, gotten kind of helped me with trying to push. And I like to say in in the things I do, there's no like right way to do it. If you're getting the success or you're um, getting the results, it's it's kind of however you need to 
trick your mind to be successful and stuff. So I'm always super interested to see how people take different approaches to be successful. Um, do you do any like journaling or anything like that? I, I started doing that and it helped a lot with kind of looking at previous, um, like performances and then kind of seeing how my mind was at that time and then using it to help me in the future. Okay, cool. Uh, I used to journal as a kid when I was growing up and I just little cues of what I was working on and I did that less as an adult. I don't know why. Probably should have done more of it. <laughs> and um, what you were talking about as well uh, kind of sounded like visualization um, like going through the course and uh, looking at kind of playing it through your mind. Do you feel like that is uh, like it, when you're talking with other athletes or say, do do a lot of people have the same kind of, does it seem like most people do the same things or did some people approach it different, maybe your teammates or stuff like that? Mm-hmm. I think everyone has to do some visualization. We are limited with the number of runs that we get on the track prior to our races so if you can like run it through your mind you know every five times for one run that you get on track it helps you remember um the train the passing zones the you know where you can generate speed where you need to maybe block a person from passing you uh it helps you remember all those little details so that when you're on the track the navigation part is almost second nature. It's already there because it's now set in memory. So all you need to focus on is like present moment. Where am I? Whose skis do I need to step over? You know? Yeah, it's it's cool scene too. Like you're so nice and, but it's cool to see that like how a competitor in the moment comes out um, to be successful. Do you find like yourself being really competitive in maybe like other things, like you were saying, talking about mountain biking or these new activities that you may have done like as cross training, or do you have interest in like competing in them as the future? Or do you feel like you got a lot of your competitiveness out at the highest level and you just like to do things for the passion or things now or? Yeah, I think the latter on that one, I definitely not. Uh, I'm not as competitive in anything else as I was in skiing. Uh, and it's probably because, again, going back to like when I was a kid, is I'm not super talented and much else. Um, so definitely do it more for the, the enjoyment of the physical activity, being outside, being in nature, going for rides with friends, doing stuff with my dog, my husband. Uh-huh. Yeah, more along that those lines. Yeah. How about yourself? Do you get to enjoy many sports other than the ultra stuff or is it uh takes up the majority of your training um yeah i i've grown up playing like every sport there was i was in a baseball academy from like super young up until high school and i played uh, collegiate baseball but i had a lot of concussion issues and i just couldn't play the way i really wanted to anymore so um it wasn't really fair to me or the team to kind of like not be able to give it my all so I was still super hungry to compete uh so I got into like a less impact sport because in baseball there's a lot of diving and I got hit in the head with the ball quite a bit when I was at bat and stuff just fluky stuff but um so I got into triathlon and then 
I got in with our, our coach here in Kelowna, Luke Way and Balance Point, and I actually joined up with he's his name's Brock Cole. He's going for a spot at the next Olympics for Team Canada. He's he's in the points right now, so we're hoping he'll be there for the next one. But just getting in with uh, guys like that was super cool. Like like get this experience training at a different level as I played like uh, team sports my whole life and football and that. But I also swam as a kid and did all those things as well. So I think a lot of uh, like my sporting career has kind of shifted and now it's like uh, longer races or longer projects. But using all those memories and things I've had in the past definitely helps me to perform at BYM today. Uh, like a lot of the cross training, you might remember something that you did, like you were saying, we were mountain biking, it helps with ski and you might remember something you did in another discipline and then be able to, uh, put it in, in the one you're in. So I always thought cross training was super valuable and, uh, you get, you, nothing's ever really wasted time. You're always learning. And, uh, as an athlete, I think it's good to be able to be kind of, uh, fluid like that to be able to you can maybe do some things that others couldn't if they only did that one thing their whole life so um yeah but i i do enjoy certain things i i kind of now have like skiing for me i used to try and keep up with my friends and and we'd be doing the same type of stuff but he got a lot better at that so now when i go i don't i don't try and keep up with that i just kind of go and have fun and stuff like that but try and keep my competitiveness to my kind of main disciplines but it is like you said being out in the outdoors is my favorite thing and uh yeah a lot of the training it feels like is when I'm in the swimming pool or gym like the indoor stuff is kind of where the actual not as fun stuff is for me I definitely like just being out there and to me it doesn't feel as much like a workout when let's say you just want to like instead of going for a run on a treadmill compared to run up and down that mountain, it's just kind of the goal and you get lost in the process. But yeah, uh, endurance stuff's definitely, definitely been a awesome thing for me to fall into. Wasn't ever planned that I'd be doing this stuff, but it's kind of funny how life works out. And yeah. Yeah. I feel what you're saying about uh, like doing every sport as a kid and how it's, provided you the foundation to like switch sports as an adult right um that was similar to me our parents had us in every sport imagine imaginable um, all school sports we did a lot of dance um what like field hockey basketball volleyball uh swimming same thing and yeah it's probably because of that foundation that i was able to make a sport the switch as an adult from alpine skiing to ski cross and it just facilitated that a lot easier. Yeah, yeah, that's super cool. When uh, you came back from the Olympics having won medals, what is that kind of like coming back? And I'm sure you got lots of love being a Canadian at home during the Olympics, but what was it kind of like coming back after, especially being as successful as you can be, getting gold? Was there a lot of like being back home and uh, like news and everything must have been flooding you and everything like that? Uh, it was, I mean, it's so incredible. The support from the community from Kelowna, the Okanagan, um, the community up here in Big White, 
it's it's always been like so strong and positive and full of energy um so coming back to that both times like after um sochi in 2014 and then korea uh, after 2018 just like overwhelming support and so much fun to share the medal share the stories the experience with everybody um, you know, to go and spend time with kids and, and do celebratory ski laps and with, uh, with my parents and, and my grandfather Cliff came out too and, um, and just this crowd of, of that, like a thousand people skiing down the run at um, Sirwa's up here, like just so, so cool uh, to, you know, as an athlete, I mean, as a person, none of us are self-made, right? We're all... A product of the people that we surround ourselves with, the communities that we grow up in, the teachers who provide us with all the education, the lessons that we've learned. Um, so yeah, I've always had a really strong appreciation knowing that if it wasn't for that support, the sacrifices made by so many people, sponsors, family, friends, um, I wouldn't have this opportunity. So. To come back and share it with everyone uh those were the best moments i think yeah that's super super cool um when when me speaking of sponsors um did things kind of as an athlete um especially on team canada were a lot of your sponsors the things that like would pay for your housing and stuff while you're training or did you get um like did team canada pay you or how did you kind of uh how like how did that work out so in canada for amateur sports um there's this thing called carding so if you're identified by your um, sport organization as being on the national team and i think it's available for um, development team athletes as well but you get a type of living allowance and that just offsets some of the stress that would come along with training full-time and working in a full-time job um, so because of those funds, we get to focus more of our time on becoming better athletes, better, uh, ambassadors, you know, becoming the best that we can in sport. So that was huge with that. Also, we got, uh, some of our tuition covered as well, post-secondary education, which is huge because I've always valued uh you know life after sport and and with that was provided through my post-secondary education through ubc okanagan um, and then now to become a physio as well uh, so just knowing that there's a little extra uh, financial i guess wiggle room there um, took off a lot of stress but then yeah sponsors come in a lot around game time games time um, with the bigger corporate ones, but I've always had been through my career really fortunate to have, uh, you know, companies stay with me from from start till finish, and and two of those are still continuing to support my endeavors now as a leisure athlete, um, which is incredible. Big White being one of them, and then uh, the ski company I'm on, Alan Skis. Uh, so that's really cool, just knowing that it wasn't just the the competition side of things that they were supporting but actually cared for me as a person uh you know as an ambassador to to uh sport and health and wellness as well yeah it's nice knowing you have that that support and that like you said they care about you as a person makes things feel more like genuine and they're not just trying to 
like get something from you right so mutual partnership and yeah that's super important Mm -hmm, absolutely i was wondering uh if you had kind of advice to maybe some younger athletes or to not even younger just athletes that maybe are trying to reach what you did maybe in the same sport different sport or just people in general trying to be uh the best at what they do yeah i think it's uh super important to surround yourself with people that are better than you that are going to challenge you uh so then you are forced to step up your standard becomes higher it's important so yeah surround yourself with a good team it's important that one you're kind to yourself um, but you're also persistent and resilient and gritty and every time you fall get back up uh you know to not let failure define who you are rather to see it as you know, an opportunity to learn from, uh, use it as a cue to be like, okay, maybe that way didn't work. How am I going to change and improve to be better? Um, I think it's important to celebrate small victories as well as the big ones. Uh, you know, compare yourself to yourself rather than other people as well. Um, you know, people can have good days, bad days, but I think a constant is like how are you showing up so yeah be consistent in that put in the work put in a little bit more work than everyone else around you uh, and then just make sure that you love what you're doing because if you're miserable and you're suffering every day then it's going to be a chore your heart's not going to be in it and it's going to be really really challenging uh, to show up when it matters yeah that's super important to have that passion to be doing what you're doing yeah Well, thank you for taking the time to talk with me. I really appreciate you taking the time out and giving me some of the tips and tricks that led you to where you are. It's it's always been cool following your career. And like I said, uh, I got like a lot of inspiration when I met you. So it's uh, definitely cool to sit down and finally be able to talk to you. Cool. Thanks, Nick. I really appreciate it. And best of luck with your training too. Yeah, thank you for that. I really appreciate that. Um, yeah, so I hope you have a great holiday season, and I really appreciate you taking the time. Awesome. Well, that is episode six of Comfort Breeds Complacency, Olympian Kelsey Sirwa. Thank you. Keep it awesome, bad.